I'm very excited about today. First of all, I'd like to apologise. Uh, many of you know that I'm a head teacher of a school in Barking, and, you know, if I slip into head teacher mode, uh, sit down! Um, and, um, uh, you know, I, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, just forgive me on that. Sometimes I, I have to sort of get it out of my system. I'm quite used to talking um, to about 500 uh, children at a time. Uh, of course, all, all, all of them who are intently listening to me are not poking uh, the person in front of me. <clears throat> well, that remains to be seen. Um, so I apologise for that. And um, what I want to do this morning, and, and hopefully it'll be, it'll be very useful, hopefully it'll be, be practical. Um, it'll be a word um, built really on what's been happening for the last few weeks um, uh, in, in church, if you've been coming or if you've been able to hear the, the audios. Um, and I want to explore a little bit more about covenant in practice. And uh, you may be asking yourself, well, why on earth is there a, uh, a lovely slide up there of autumn colours? Um, the answer is quite simply, I'm not sure. But I liked it. So um, I shoved that up there. And uh, it's also nice, nice colours, so a soothing introduction uh, to the meeting. Uh, I've also asked a few people to help out in a minute. What's been happening then over the last few uh, months, really. Well, John started off a while back uh, in 2 Samuel um, and helped us think about covenant. He, he felt it was a time for us to be refreshed in our understanding of what covenant is as it's part of sort of the bedrock of who we are. Um, one of the phrases that he used was covenant relationship with God is worked out through each other. And we can't have one without the other. So that was uh, where we started from. We began to look a little bit at the uh, David and Jonathan story with him. I'm not sure I've got all these in the right order, but um, we also had Hilton come to us, and uh, Hilton Albert spoke a lot about the, the importance of the Holy Spirit, um, not just for us, but even for in the Godhead. And he talked, and one of the things I hadn't really thought about before was, you know, even God the Father waited for the Holy Spirit to be moving across the waters at the beginning of creation. And uh, it was that interdependence uh, in, in the Godhead amongst the three persons. So we struggle with language, don't we, when we're talking about God? But the three persons in the Trinity, how reliant they are on each other, and especially on the Holy Spirit. And he encouraged us to be always um, thinking about the Holy Spirit as, our, as someone who is at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, Avril and Mark... Um, I think, worked together and they, talk, they talked to us about purpose. And uh, they showed us a, a clip from that, that great film, Horton Hears a Who, and, uh, and uh, you know, helped us to explore about what, what, what is our purpose. Some of us struggled with that. We were honest. We were asked to stick up um, post-its, I think, somewhere around. And uh, some of us found, found that hard. Well, that's okay, because we need to explore these things together. We need to be thinking about you know, what is our purpose? What has God got for me at this time? And that's okay. We can expect God to reveal that to us. It's not a problem, even if it's a struggle. Um, Nathan um, asked some people to share about living in covenant. And we had some very positive stories, some very positive experiences of how that has happened and how that has worked out for some. That might, again, have been a challenge for some of us sitting here, thinking, oh, it's all right for them, but perhaps not so much for me. Um, but again, that's okay. If we're honest, we've got to be honest before God. We've got to be vulnerable uh, before him. Uh, but he, that was a challenge. I'm going to come back to that later. And then um, 
We had the man who dropped his hitches come and uh, talk to us about prophecy, uh, Bryn Franklin. And uh, he spent some time uh, moving in the prophetic and also reminding us of some of the very practical ways of bringing prophecy to each other. Um, so I'm going to try and pick up some of those different elements and help us to think about what covenant in practice look, looks like. But, to begin with, Got a little bit of paper. What? Oh, sorry. In the back pocket. Bringing it back to the uh, to the matter at hand, we're late. We have a paraplegic, Danny, uh, and we want to see Jesus. Now, what are we going to do? Be honest, I think twenty-five miles is strange time to start meeting anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way he does it, all right? Jesus always turned up at twenty-five miles. Doing the walk of shame in front of the Son of God. Yeah, we've got a valid reason to be late, haven't we? What, picking up lattes, not chocolate? No, <laughs> we've been carrying Danny the entire oh. time. I mean, the whole point of this trip was so we could bring him to see Jesus and maybe get healed. Uh, perhaps we could just like, wait for Jesus at the back. Nah, it's not going to happen. He's got a pure bodyguard, doesn't he? Ah. We'll be able to get near him. It's not worth the risk. How do we know he's only coming for one day, though? That's a thing, dude, isn't it? You never know what it's going to do next. Yeah, we can try the window. Yeah. No, no, because there'll be still other crowds to contend with, wouldn't we? Yeah, plus we'd have to pay for the glass. I mean, like, double pay for these places. The price of them just going straight for the roof. Awful. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> through the roof. There's some friends of ours had a piano delivered recently, and the only way to get it in the house was through the roof. We got a piano. Do you want me to go get it? <laughs> <laughs> We get Danny and we load him through the roof. Oh. How do you think that's going to go down there? Uh, I don't know. Buddy system? No, no, we're the owners of the house. Oh. People don't generally take too kindly if you dig a hole in their roofs. Well, I guess we just have to uh, decide what's more important. You know, a hole in the roof or Danny being healed. Sorry, I've come this far. I can't give up now. Okay, so we go up on a roof and we take a hole and we lift him through the roof. Let's do it. Thank <laughs> you. 
Right. Let's have a look at that story to begin with. I'm going to read from Luke 5. The first, um, the first point I want us to look at is that covenant friends bring each other to Jesus. Covenant friends bring each other to Jesus. Let's have a look at this story, which we sort of had a, just a taste of it there. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Wow. We have seen remarkable things today. Wouldn't that be great to be able to say that every time we had an encounter with some friends and with Jesus? We have seen some remarkable things today. A couple of things that, that jumped out to me from this story. Some of the facts, I guess. One is that uh, the man, the paralysed man or the paraplegic man, he couldn't get there to Jesus by himself. There was no way he was going to get there unless other people helped him. He had to rely 100% on his friends. Another interesting thing from that story is it says that Jesus saw their faith. That's a bit left field, isn't it? Jesus saw their faith and then he spoke. And then Jesus declared the man's forgiveness first. And what that makes me think, I, I'm, I'm intrigued a little bit because the scriptures don't tell us what the friends were thinking at that point. We know what the Pharisees were thinking. They got really uppity about what he said. But what did the friends think at that point? And I just let my mind play a little bit with that. And it's not there in the scripture, but I'm wondering. Here are these guys. They've carried their friend maybe a long time. They'd certainly worked hard, hadn't they? They dug up the roof. 
They must have had some ropes as well. They lured him through. They would have been willing to withstand the anger of the house owner. They had to fight their way through the crowd. They do get him there. And initially, Jesus doesn't heal him. He doesn't heal him. He goes for something completely left field, completely unexpected. He looks at them and says, hmm, your sins are forgiven. Do you think maybe they were disappointed? Now, we know the end of the story, because it's there. Yeah, he got healed. But did they know at that moment that Jesus was then going to heal him? Maybe, maybe not. Were they confused? Oh, I thought this guy was a healer. And here he is, pretending to be God, or saying he's God. What's all that about? What a waste of time that was. Pulling up the roof, and all he's done now is upset us all, because he's saying he's God. Were they angry? I told you we shouldn't have bothered. We just shouldn't have bothered. So we bring him here, and he doesn't even get healed. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. You see, Jesus knew what was best for that man. He did heal him, but he focused on the man's primary and main need, which was the forgiveness of sins. And what I felt God say to me about that story, as I was mulling it over and thinking about the friend's reaction, is that covenant friends... We bring each other to Jesus and then we've got to trust him to do exactly what he wants to do. And sometimes get out of the flipping way. Let Jesus do what he wants to do. So we bring our friends. We bring one another. And we get out of the way. And we say, Jesus, you do what you need to do here in this situation with my friend. Of course, and later on we're going to talk about prophesying to one another and and looking at that, but it doesn't mean that we're mediators, that we're in the middle between our friend and God. There's only one mediator, isn't there? And that's Jesus Christ. So, it's an element of trust. Bring one another to Jesus and then let him do what he knows best to do. It may be that he heals, but it may be that he delays the healing for some reason. Why? Because he wants to get to the deeper issue in us. It may be that he's got plan B. And we're thinking plan A. When we have plan A, remember there are 25 other letters that could be planned. Let Jesus decide which plan he wants to follow. How do, we, how do we bring each other to Jesus? Well, this is where Annabelle's, it's a bit of deja vu, Annabelle was going to come up and tell us that little story. But we can certainly pray for one another. And I think it's a season where we are seeking God for one another. It could be that uh, we, we decide we need to fast together. 
Let's put aside this day. Come on, this is, this is our friend who, 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 who needs a touch from God at this time. Let's, let's decide to fast. Oh, the church hasn't declared a day of fasting. Eh? No. Decide amongst yourselves. Decide together. We want to get before God on behalf of our friend. And we're going to fast. And then perhaps later in the evening, we'll find a moment to come together and pray. Or we'll text it. What did you, what did you hear today? This is what I heard. And you hear from God and you begin to share. It's about bringing one another to Jesus. It could be that we just, you decide, let's just get together and worship him. It doesn't matter if we've got an instrument, we can put a CD, CD on or we can listen. Let's just be in the presence of God with our friend and hear what he has to say. We can pray, we can fast, we can worship together. It could be something a bit more practical that, than that. It could be that we're going to babysit for someone so they can be released to go somewhere, to get to house group, or to go and uh, maybe go to Sunday Night Live, or make the most of any opportunity to be in God's presence. We, uh, we might serve them in order to release them. You know, these friends in the story, they made a big sacrifice. I reckon they were tired. I reckon it was risky going up on the roof. I mean, you pull, a, pull a, apart a couple of tiles. I'm not a roofer. Maybe Gary will be able to tell us. But I wouldn't go up on my roof and start to pull, a, pull apart the tiles. I don't know when I'm going to fall through. So it was risky. It involved sacrifice. It involved time. It involved effort. And sometimes serving one another bringing our friends to Jesus isn't easy. It's going to involve cost. It's going to involve sacrifice uh, on our part. I think from hearing the stories at the moment, I mean, God is on the move. Let's get involved with him. Let's get involved with with working with him, being a co-worker with him to bring our friends to Jesus. Praying, expecting God to move in his power. And I believe we will see success. (laughs) This is a face that knows success. Yeah. You know, if that's a sort of... Look at the, you're all smiling. It's not at me. Thank, you know, it's at that. That face, we can recognise something, can't we? Wow. That's a happy lad. That's a happy boy. I don't know what he's done. He's probably got a sister crying somewhere. So. <laughs> Covenant friends bring each other to Jesus. Let's be those sort of friends. The second point I want to bring out today is that covenant friends are prophetic rather than pathetic with each other. Don't be a pathetic friend. Let's be prophetic friends. We've heard so much recently and examples of encouragement about being prophetic with one another. I agree, the scripture clearly says, let's have a look at 1 Corinthians 14, 26. 
1 Corinthians 14.26. Now, we are not all prophets, I guess, with a capital P, in the same way we're not all evangelists, we're not all apostles in that sense. But we do believe very strongly in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and this body ministry. And I do believe we can all be prophetic. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you is a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. A whole passage goes on to talk about building each other up. When you come together, yeah, yeah, that could be at a bigger meeting like this, but it could be in twos and threes. Why not? Why not? As we're sitting down, we're sharing a meal with one another. Why can't God speak to us then? Of course he can. But it's about having the edge. It's about being on, on that edge with each other, having that ear that's attentive. If you go down to verse 31, it seems to suggest, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Paul seems to be saying you can all do it. You can all prophesy in turn. Obviously, in that passage there, it talks about in a meeting, it may only be two or three uh, that you may want to hear from, otherwise you'd be there all day. But you can all prophesy in turn. That's an encouragement. I'm encouraged by that. I think Hilton it was who reminded us about Moses. And I think the scripture is in Numbers 11, verse 29. I think it's when Moses says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Do you remember, that's the story when there were two people who stayed in the camp. They didn't go out and join the others and they started prophesying even though they hadn't joined in with everyone else. And, And Moses clearly had the heart of God, didn't he? He wasn't worried about, oh, yeah, they weren't in the meeting. They didn't bother to turn up to the meeting, therefore I'm not going to use them. No. His heart was, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. So, being a prophetic people, a covenant friends are prophetic with each other. Right, what have we got here? Right, two minutes, with someone near you, see if you can work out the correct word order for that proverb. Come on, children. Oh, sorry, I slipped into mode. Right, come on, uh, that's a a proverb. See if you can work out together what it should say. I can see all your brains whirring. Kim's got it, I can see that.
Are we there? You got it, Beth? Right, who thinks, uh, who thinks they've got it? Hillary. Do you want to stand up, big voice? Sounds pretty good. Should we check? I think I did it. Almost. Just a one word in these. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17. We'll come back to that one in a minute. Iron sharpening iron. Here's another one. Do you want another one? Yeah, there's one more then. Look at you clever lot having a go. It's not working on the tape, I'm afraid. We're looking at a jumbled up proverb for those who are listening. You all got it? Right, who thinks they've got that one? Not many. Lorraine has. No? Oh, I've stumped you. Kim, you got that one? Half of it, all right. Lorraine at the front, and Lorraine halfway back, isn't it? Only if your name's Lorraine, obviously you can do this. Do you want to have a go? Oh, are you disagreeing? D- Dave Jones might be disagreeing with you. Let- let's just try... Let's have a look. Pretty much caught that, yes. I'll just read it. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs 27, 6. So we've had, as iron sharpens iron, and we've had something here about, uh, about wounds. That sounds a little bit painful, both of these proverbs. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that one in a minute. The next one, um, I, I didn't jumble up because it was rather long. And <laughs> we, we might be here all, all day if we'd have done that one. All right, this is another one. This is Proverbs 27.10. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a brother far away. We've got iron sharpening iron. We've got uh, the wounds of a friend. We've got here about friends, neighbours being a refuge. How's your Japanese? 
Nana Karobi Ya Oki. Nana Karobi Ya Oki. Anybody know this proverb? Old Japanese proverb. There's a couple of numbers in there giving it away. Seven, eight. What it is, is quite simply, fall seven times, get up eight. Fall seven times, get up eight. To me, that talks about persistence, talks about resilience, talks about keeping going. That's not from the Bible, that one. I chuck, chuck that one in anyway. Why have I done that? Well, iron sharpening iron. It's about keeping each other sharp, keeping each other focused, about helping each other to be accurate. The wounds of a friend, that can go terribly wrong, can't it? You know, this is not an excuse to start going around saying cutting words to each other. It's not what it's about. And it's not really about going around speaking the truth. Because we're missing half the sentence, aren't we? Speak the truth in love. The overriding emphasis must always be love. If you haven't got love when you're sharing or when we're bringing something to someone, don't bring it. Don't bring it. You will be a clashing symbol. You will be uh, a wound that damages. Bring things to one another in love. Does it mean they're not tough? No. But let's check ourselves before we share something. Is it out of anger? Well, we can be angry, but not sin. Which I find quite difficult to do. But the, the, everything we do for one another must be out of love. What does the scripture say about New Testament prophecy? Bringing words. They are words of edification. They are words of encouragement. They are to build up, they're not to tear down. They are never to accuse. They might convict, but they would never be accusing because then we're siding with the enemy. I don't want to be siding with the enemy. I want to bring words of liberation. I want to bring words of encouragement to my friends, to one another. I don't want to bring words that would cut down. Speak the truth in love. Romans 14, 19 talks about mutual edification. Sometimes we get limited. We may limit ourselves because we think, oh, I can see my friends, perhaps I, 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 or God has spoken to me about a friend and I, don't, I feel uncomfortable about sharing that because I, I'm struggling in the same way. And so we limit ourselves and we think, it's, I feel a hypocrite. I've got this huge plank in my own eye. Let's be honest with each other. 
and vulnerable. Why not, on an occasion like that, be honest and vulnerable with your friend? And say, look, maybe this is an opportunity for both of us to support each other through this. Let's seek God together. If we wait till we're perfect, we ain't going to help anyone. Could be to do with gossip, couldn't it? You're hearing your friend really gossiping there. Not not in a good way at all, but you know you sometimes do it as well. I don't think that means that scripture about, you know, the planking. I think we can get alongside each other and support one another through it. It's not reserved for perfect people, this, this encouraging, this building up of one another. It's not reserved for leaders and it's not reserved for prophets. But it, it's something that God has given to each one of us. His spirit has been poured out upon all flesh. I'll give an example in a house group a couple of weeks ago and we, uh, we'd been sharing and, and at the end we prayed for one another, boys and girls, because that's what we always do in our house group. Um, and so I went off to, we went off to pray and I was facing a particularly difficult situation at work and I wasn't quite sure how to deal with it. And so we spent some time, we listened. And someone shared with me a picture they had of me standing like in the First World War armour, First World War sort of military uniform with sort of the, 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 the tin hat and, and I had a, a gun with a bayonet on the end. And the word was to take off the uniform and to lay down the weapon. And I needed, at that time, to hear that sort of direction. Because I had to decide how I was going to respond. Being a head teacher, at that moment, I had a staffing situation. I either needed to conflict, to go into conflict, or I needed to sort of go into peace mode. And I went into peace mode because of that word. A practical example of taking something from God and, and applying it. And I believe, and I'm trusting, that what I've done, that is going to see things through in the end. You know, we talk about prophecy being God's mind and his moment. God's mind and his moment. So we got his mind here. Yet at times we know that some parts of that are more relevant depending on the timing. So get into the word, and as we're, as we're reading it, as we're dwelling on it, we think, oh, this is, this is leapt out at me. Or as you're praying for someone, you think, oh, I wonder if that's for them. I wonder if it's for them. That's a good thought, isn't it? To ask God, I wonder if it's for them. I guess our mindset could be, well, no one's shared anything with me for about 12 years, so I'm not going to bother to share anything with anyone else. Yeah, you could take that. That's not going anywhere though, is it? That sounds like death to me. The way out of that is to turn it and start saying, God, whom can I bless? Whom can I bless? Whom can I share something with that they'll be built up and edified and strengthened? Yeah, there may be something will come in return, but we leave that for God, don't we? We pour out. 
Just keep pouring out, church. Pour out. As I was thinking earlier, we want to be filled, but we don't want to be like a mug. We want to be a jug. Don't be a mug. Be a jug. Small difference. It's got that little pointy lip thing, isn't it? That's all it is. But the function is quite different. Quite, quite different. I can see bumper stickers are happening all over. Be a, be a jug for Jesus. But it doesn't quite sound right. I don't. <laughs> right. And another thing that might happen as we begin to pray and, 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 and continue, it's not beginning because I know it's happening already, is one of the things God's stirring in me is in conversation with others and sharing, I realise that at times, um, God spoke to me about sometimes we open doors in our mind and straight outside that door is a slippery slope. That once you open that door, it's so hard to step back from. What do I mean? I mean doors sometimes, things like self-pity. And in conversation sometimes, um, with one another, we may pick up things. And we have to be faithful to our friends. We have to be faithful to one another. If we realise they're, they're opening a door where really they're on a slippery slide right down and they're going to struggle to get back up. Avril mentioned something earlier about when people sharing testimonies. Do we struggle to rejoice with those who rejoice? Do we struggle with that? Is our brain going, oh, it's all right for them. They don't know my problem. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, lovely. If we're struggling to rejoice with those who rejoice, I think we need God to help us. I think we need God to step in. Because I think that's a door that we've opened that is one that's got self-pity on it. And it says, it's all right for them, but you you don't really understand my problem. And that's why I'm not rejoicing. No, I don't. I I, I don't know all your problems. But God does. And if he's commanded us to rejoice with those who rejoice, then, like we always say, there must be grace there to do it. There must be grace. He's never going to ask and expect something of us that we can't possibly ever do. That's not the sort of God that I know. He's, He's a God who gives us the power to live like him. Gives us the Holy Spirit to act and think like him. We need to cry out to him for that. What do we do with those feelings if we notice them in us? Well, we don't ignore them, but we confess them. We can confess it straight to God, or we confess it to one another. I'm struggling with this. I just can't rejoice when other people are rejoicing. I just can't do it. I can't enter into it. Covenant friends are prophetic with each other. Yeah? It's, isn't it great when... Um, uh, I just felt it worth chipping in here because our house group were looking at very s- the same stuff this week. And um, <laughs> Have you heard the practical joke that Mark Twain played on his friends? He sent 12 of them a telegram. It said, 
flee at once. All is discovered. And the next day, they'd all left town. You know, we don't have to scratch very far under the surface sometimes to realise that actually there's stuff we're embarrassed by, stuff we're struggling by with. And, and if we don't confess our struggles and discuss with our friends, then we can end up covering up and, and, and concealing what shouldn't be hidden and, and concealed. Uh, well, you just look at all these public inquiries, Jimmy Savile and Hillsborough and other things, as if the original problem wasn't bad enough. Once deception comes in, it's really, really nasty to then cover up. So I just wanted to reflect on that because we've been looking at it as a house group. Uh, it might have been a funny practical joke, but his friends all left town because they felt exposed. And if we're struggling, we don't need to leave town. We've got one another to help support each other. Thanks, Anthony. The third thing is that covenant friends keep their hope in Jesus. Covenant friends keep their hope in Jesus. Just go to 1 Peter for a moment. 1 Peter 1. Verse 3. It's a long passage. I'm not going to read it all. A couple of verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Wow. Something again we talked about in group a while back. What is this inexpressible and glorious joy? certainly much more than a feeling. Jesus must have been filled with that, that inexpressible and glorious joy. It comes from God. God brings that into our lives. It's God who fills us with that hope, an inexpressible and glorious hope. Dave was challenging us this morning, loving God. How do we love the invisible God? It's because he has come to us. It's because he has stepped into our world, he stepped into my life and caused something to come alive in me. This hope, this hope which is a certainty those of us who are walking with him, who know him, we have that deposit guaranteeing our belonging to him. Ephesians 1 talks about that, that the Holy Spirit is a deposit in our heart, absolutely guaranteeing. It's a stamp that I belong to him. I am his. He is mine. I am my beloved and he is mine. That is the hope 
that we've been called to. That is the reality of our situation and it can be that inexpressible and glorious joy. I, will, I don't think I'll ever forget when Jamie, Jamie Singleton, shared about the ridiculous hope that we can tap into. Not, not here today, I think. Ridiculous hope. I expect he's got an amazing testimony about that. A ridiculous hope. I love that expression because it goes against some of the circumstances. It goes against some of the feelings. I have a ridiculous hope. And why do we need this joy? Because if we're going to serve others, if we're going to be a jug and not a mug, then we need to be able to pour out of the overflow. Otherwise, all we're going to do is pour out death and duty. Oh, I'm going to serve you because I've got to. So we've got to be being poured into in order to pour out. Otherwise, it just becomes religion again. Out of the overflow. And I would encourage us all at this time, at this season, let us make the most of every opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis, whether it's as you're cycling to work, whether it's as you're bathing the kids. And let the images of what you're doing speak to us. You know, as we're having a bath, you can be, oh God, just, just let your waters wash over me. As I'm cycling up that hill to work, having to dig deep, dig deep. Yeah, I'm going to dig deep into God. Just, just let our minds be creative as we you know, use things to cry out to God. Yeah, God, fill me. Fill me too. I'm going into this meeting and I've got to, to, I've got to do something in this meeting. God, help me. Use me. Just going to finish with Hosea. Hosea 11, 4. God says, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I led them. Who? His people. Cords of human kindness. That's you and me. That's every single one of us sitting here or listening to this tape. We are the cords of God's human, God's kindness. He has chosen to use you and me to draw people to himself. Come right back to where we started. Covenant friends bring each other to Jesus. Covenant friends are prophetic with each other. And covenant friends know that their hope is set on him. And if we continue to work on those different things, then I believe God will use us more and more as his human kindness, as his cause. And perhaps as the band come back uh, and, and just bring us into a time of, of being before him. We may need to respond in, in any way. That's, I'll leave that, that's for God to deal with you, how you want to respond to him this morning. I'll hand back to Phil and, and the musicians, but I think part of it is to say, God, help me. God, help me. I need you. I want to be that sort of friend. I want to be prophetic. And I want to keep digging, digging deep into you.